Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Opera Offstage. I'm Jesse, And I'm Michelle. And today, we are going to talk all about COVID performing from the safety of your home, as most of us have been doing. We're just going to take you through a lot of the tech and the options for streaming and just what some of the best setups are for you to have a good and fun performance from home. Yes, this is, there's been a lot of information about performing for live streams and online and how to sell tickets and whether or not you should sell tickets. And I feel like there's so much information out there that it's sometimes kind of hard to balance all of these different opinions and all of these sometimes contradicting advice. So we're here to condense everything in a short podcast so you can leave hopefully feeling ready to go and perform. Yeah, but first we have a couple of announcements. Our tech guide is coming out this week, which will go a little more in depth than we'll be able to go on this episode into what your options are in terms of mics and cameras and lighting. And it will just help you decide what of these will be right for your space, for your voice, and for your wallet. So that's going to be really fun. It's going to be very short and sweet, and it'll be very easy. And that's the whole point. We've also uh, have our YouTube video, which is out. It's very fun. We are just roasting ugly, ugly music merch, gutted instruments, t-shirts with 20 fonts. You know the deal. So go check that out. It is up on our YouTube page. Yes. And then this Friday, we have our monthly watch party. If you haven't joined us before, where the heck have you been? We host them on Discord. They're at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. And the fun thing is we always vote for the watch party in our Instagram stories. So if you're not already following us on our socials, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Opera Offstage. But it's a lot of fun. Discord is free. You can use it on your computer. You can download it on your phone. And basically, it just allows you to chat with us while we stream an opera. And the conversation is really funny. We're freaking out about high notes. We're joking. We're ooing and aahing over cool scenic design. So it's a really great time and it's a good time to, you know, talk with other young artists and watch an opera. So definitely join us this Friday. And if you're a little bit new to opera, don't worry. There are plenty of people who are newer to opera in that chat. We welcome questions. We are a very fun and open community. So no worries. Yeehaw. All right. So to get us started, we're going to talk a little bit about ways you can get started performing, how to make performance opportunities, and some of our favorite performances we've seen from our friends over the course of quarantine. And then in the second half, we're going to get into the actual details about tech and the websites and platforms to use for these performances. So if you've already got an idea in mind of what it is you want to do, then maybe go ahead and skip right about 19 or 20 minutes in, and you'll be in that section. But for now, let's jump into a little bit about, like, how should we be creating our own performance opportunities? Like, what are what are some of the ways we can perform? Yeah. Well, obviously, step one is going solo, right? You, by going on Facebook Live or just going on Instagram Live, or even if it's not a live performance, you can post things on social media, on your website that just require you and a background track, or you can always accompany yourself. And it can be pretty easy when it's just you, because then you don't have that collaborative scheduling and stuff that you have to worry about. One of my favorite solo performances I've ever seen live streamed. So I have a good friend named Scott who decided that while he was performing as Tarquinius, and Lucretia, that he would actually do a live stream of the entirety of Lucretia singing all the parts. <laughs> this is my dream. 
This is my nightmare. I can't imagine. <laughs> now, he had been doing the opera for a while, and he also has perfect pitch. So he did have a bit of an advantage over me. Sight reading Britain sounds like my worst nightmare. I mean, that's true. But the idea of doing a one-man opera just for fun sounds just that. It sounds so fun. The one-man opera aspect of it, very fun. <laughs> he actually, he worked with Mike McAndrew, who's been on the podcast and is a good, good friend of the podcast. He's also been on our IG Live. He was on our Thanksgiving IG Live. He's an incredible collaborative pianist. And he also sang some of the parts while he played when, obviously, there were duets and trios and things. But anyway, it was just a lot of fun. It was very silly. Obviously, he was singing the women's parts as well. And just watching him try to do all of them. This was, I think, a highlight to me of like, there were a lot, lot of people engaging with it, too, because it was it was just fun. You know, it's something super enjoyable, even if you don't know classical music and it's in English. So I, I think that was probably one of my favorite solo performances I've seen. Although I guess that's technically not solo. Well, I think that's fun because you're probably also rooting for him, considering he's literally sight reading Britain. Like, I think regardless of whether or not you are familiar with classical music, that's already just a feat in and of itself. Oh, yeah. His his voice teacher saw it, too. Amazing. <laughs> was probably oh. like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> but no, I think that's so fun. Like, I don't think that these COVID online opportunities to perform have to be, you know, a very rigid recital. I go on IG Live at this time. I sing my four languages and then I hope people liked it like I think there is so much room and I think that audiences want to see something kind of fun and because we're home like set up some cool scene in your house and do some art song like take it outside play the guitar yada yada like there's so much flexibility and so much room for creativity to just go and create performance and art you gotta perform a pants roll slap on a mustache have a good time like no one can tell you what is good or bad in this moment you are allowed to have as much fun or be as serious as you want yeah and and i would take advantage of that and i i think you know even just stopping in between songs to like maybe even just talk casually with the people who are watching about the piece respond to their chats that's gonna be a lot more fun and a lot more intimate than just you singing at a camera Totally. Yeah, I think I mean, you've even seen it this round of, you know, audition seasons, they say, like, don't worry about audition etiquette, don't worry about concert etiquette. And I think that we are in a time right now where that kind of stuff really doesn't matter. We all know that we're sitting at home in our sweatpants eating popcorn and like watching our friends perform live. I think that level of comfortability and a little bit like, of ease towards the strict etiquette that we're so used to in live performance, like that's what makes this experience so fun. So do whatever. I think talking to your audience between pieces or even like saying a short sentence about the piece you're singing is super fun and engaging, especially to your non-musician audience, which if we're being real is going to be the bulk of your audience. So if you're looking for recordings, I cannot stress how awesome Mike is. We'll link him in the description below. He was a complete homie. I had some recordings that I had to make super last minute and I said help and he indeed came to my rescue. Super affordable, super fast. So if you are interested in doing these solo performances or just need some background tracks, even if you're not going to go live, even if you need it for auditions, hit Mike up. You will not be sorry. I started COVID so confident that I was just going to be able to use the tracks that I had found and it wasn't going to be an issue. (laughs) No, 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 no. It was hell. 
And I was so stupid, especially for the piece I chose. Like, this is a piece where I regularly have a little bit of trouble, even with a pianist, of being like, you have to, like, wait for me here because I do have to breathe. So thinking that it was going to be okay to just use a track that, like, I just got off the internet. (laughs) Anyway. Fatal mistake. Don't be foolish like me. Think ahead. Talk to your pianists. There's also the option, another friend of mine, Michaela, did a whole series of videos of her practicing her runs in different pieces. And just it was just a very, very short video series. Uh, Melisma Monday? Yeah, exactly. Heck yeah. And I, I thought that was so fun. It was a great way to work on something that I know she really, really wanted to. And it was very fun to watch. And so if you're not interested in maybe doing longer performance stuff, this is another really great option for you. It, it doesn't have to be live. And you can just take little short segments and, and show people what you've been working on. And it can also be a great source of motivation. So that's another really fun option if you're just not maybe in the place where you either have the tech or the energy, honestly, to do longer performances, which is totally understandable. Yeah. And also, I think within the realm of creating your own like COVID experience, your own performances, I don't always necessarily feel like they have to be performances in the in the way that we've been taught. Right now, you have an opportunity to be creative in ways that exist with music and outside of music. And you guys know we're all about creating your own opportunities and having different interests outside of music. So now is also a really awesome time to start a podcast, to start a platform, to start a YouTube channel to start a small business that's related to opera or not. But there are so many things that you can do with your time and it's really exciting. Just Jesse and I being in this podcasting sphere since March, there have been so many other young artist led podcasts and it's so cool to talk with them and see them. Like there are so many different things that you can do. So even if you're like, well, I don't really want to sing on a live event, but you know, starting a YouTube channel kind of sounds cool. Go do it. It's so fun. It is. Um, I was going to make a joke about being like, don't, don't do it. <laughs> Spend the rest of your life editing. Do it, do it, but don't do all of them. <laughs> don't do every single thing I just Suggested. listed, which is what do we're doing. One. <laughs> Pick one. a singular. No. <laughs> no, it's very, very fun. And, and this is a good time to invest in your other hobbies or like we said, you know, invest in what might be future side hustles. I now have some options in terms of audio video editing, which is fun. I'm glad that I know what I what to do. And when I, you know, when I get out of quarantine, I'll have this nice little thing I can show people of being like, this is the thing. I made the thing. And that's a nice feeling. Totally. Yeah. But on that note, if you're going to do one of those, may I make the suggestion that you collaborate with a friend because we're all bored. And also, it's so much easier to keep going when there is another person there who can like take on part of the work and also motivate you. And it's fun to make stuff together. And the stuff you make together almost always turns out better than the stuff you make alone. And also, it very much helps when you are just starting out and everything you make is awful because <laughs> they will push you through it. I promise. Not speaking from experience at all. Um. (laughs) Listen, everyone, the first time you put out anything that is like one of your first experiences with a new software or a new experience with a new piece of art or whatever it is, you're going to not feel great about it. And you know what? It's not as bad as you think. And that's what friends are there to tell you. 
Totally. Yeah. But, you know, right now, like you said, everybody's looking for opportunities to perform. Everybody's super over the fact that live music is not really on the horizon just yet. And so collaborate with your friends. This episode is basically a tribute to Mike, I feel. (laughs) I'm totally fine with that. A tribute to Mike. (laughs) But Mike also started this Art Song at Home project where he had you know, these giant lists of songs singers could pick. He did like a round of Disney. He did obviously art song. And now he's going to do like a gender bent swap of like classical music. And it's so fun. His entire Instagram page is just like video after video of these collaborations. And I think that's really awesome because people are hungry to perform with other people. And, you know, it can as a singer be hard to get a pianist if you don't play yourself and so stuff like that grabbing other people doesn't have to be a pianist you could go and start a little ensemble you could do voice and flute who knows but like it's so fun to work with others it also just really helps you deal with the loneliness of this time it's not to say that michelle and i wouldn't talk if we weren't doing the podcast together but we're also very much people who can go a long time without talking And then just pick up. True. But because of the podcast, obviously we talk multiple times a week. And I think I'm more (laughs) mentally healthy for that. And so it can really push you to talk and work with your friends. And it gives you something to talk about in a time where not all of us have something going on to talk about. But yeah, it's a really good way to connect with people. Yeah. Plan a scenes program together. Do an opera in concert style. You know, connect with your composer friends and do a night of new music. Collaborating, I think, is one of, well, actually, I know this for a fact, because in our our episode, two episodes ago, when we talked about thankfulness, a lot of you guys wrote in that it's the community of music that makes music so worthwhile. And, you know, collaborating with friends, whether it's virtually or whatever, will definitely help you feel that community that we so miss and love about music. I really want to see someone film their opera scene duets and things, like, like TikTok ones where they're side by side and both facing straight forward. Oh my gosh. Great. Do it. Do it. <laughs> but also if you're just like you've been dreaming up this this plan or this performance opportunity and you just really feel like my idea just doesn't work with COVID, maybe you are dreaming of something that definitely does depend on an in-person experience or you would just prefer to wait until live performances are possible again. Brainstorm anyways. You know what I mean? We have more time than we're used to right now. Make those calls, get people together, draft up a recital series, you know, brainstorm your own opera company. If you have an idea, I have friends who are rethinking a classic opera to be told in in very modern terms. And so it's like, this is totally the time to do that right now. So if you're feeling kind of like, I don't want to do the COVID performance, I'm not into the live tech setup, that's fine. But use this time wisely to start planning so that once things do hopefully open in 2021 that you're not months behind yeah well and i i'd also say you know when we when we were working on this podcast we probably spent about six months planning beforehand before we even started doing recordings and things so now is a great time to to sit down with people and really lay out like a the logistics of the thing you want to do. Totally. And it'll give you a head start on the next thing. Yeah. And then the other thing is, even though we've been largely talking about performances for people, you can create your own performance opportunities that don't have an audience and are still totally easy and fun and good for you to practice as a musician, whether that's role study, whether you're filming yourself and your progress. Jesse, you did a really fun (laughs) 
little little project. I love that you put this in here. Yeah, I had to. A couple summers ago, I spent the summer doing three different like 30 days to learn challenges for myself. And I filmed. I filmed myself practicing 20 minutes every day at piano, tap, and flexibility. So stretching. What? You didn't tell me about the piano. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be better at piano, too. I, I I was taking piano lessons at the time, and it was just a way to motivate myself to practice every single day. And I also wanted to see, you know, it's just like when you are working out or whatever, you don't necessarily always see progress because you are living it and it's incremental. So I just wanted to be able to review, like, where I was at the start and where I was at the end. And it was a lot of fun. The tap one was particularly fun because I was taking tap and also we came up with a specific routine so that at the end of that month I performed it. I actually went to my old high school theater. I asked my old theater teacher if I could use it and I performed for my mom and my best friend. I love it. I love that so much. That's such a good use of your time because not only are you able to see the progress that you made within a set amount of time, like just whether you perform for people or not, that's awesome. It's such a good exercise to film yourself and, like, have that commitment. I'm going to make that a Patreon reward to see that terrible <laughs> tap video. Oh, well, <laughs> catch Jesse on our Instagram live doing a, re- <laughs> a, a reprisal of her tap performance. But, you know, I've yeah. been super into those, like, 30, 100, 1,000 days of practice challenges i think that that's awesome that's such a good performance opportunity whether you do it for people or not like that those types of trackable practice routines yeah are really awesome yeah do just do stuff for you once again i understand not everyone's up to do the tech right now not everyone lives in spaces where they can live stream not everyone has good enough internet to do it so if you can't do any of those things, like do film yourself and record yourself and do projects for yourself. And I, I really do recommend making some kind of record of it, whether it be, you know, a diary or video or pictures, because it is really lovely to look back on and see how far you've come. So 100% suggest that. So now I'm going to do a really quick overview of the tech that you're going to need for most types of performing or streaming. So first and foremost, you're going to need a camera or something to capture visual. Obviously, a camera will work great, but actually a phone or computer can also work really well, um, or a webcam can work incredibly well to capture your video, especially if you're planning on live streaming. Um, a camera can actually be a little bit more difficult to set up. However, if you are just recording and then putting it on live later, a camera's great and probably going to have slightly nicer quality. Then you've got microphones. Obviously, having a dedicated mic is going to be a little bit better. But once again, phone and computer, you can actually do quite a bit with these. You just have to make sure that they are placed far enough away that they're going to capture sound the way you think. So definitely run a couple tests on those before you do it. Then you've got speakers. If you are going to be live streaming, then you will definitely need speakers to play your tracks for you unless you have a pianist or an instrumentalist in the house with you. So make sure you get a decent speaker. You can even use Bluetooth ones. It doesn't really matter. The whole point is just that the sound needs to carry. Another thing that's really important that a lot of people overlook are stands. Stands for the microphone, stand for the camera, or a stand for the computer, whatever else you are using, because that is going to make it a lot easier to adjust, especially if you're recording or streaming in a very small space. It's going to give you a lot more options and keep you from having to stack a hundred books on top of each other to get things to the right height. Then, Lighting. Lighting is everything. You can compensate quite a bit for bad camera quality if you have lighting. 
However, you can't compensate with good camera quality if you don't have lighting. So even if you're using desk lamps, try to make sure you're evenly lit from both sides and that it's uh, brighter than you think it needs to be because it'll make it a lot easier on your camera and you're less likely to have that grainy footage from low lighting. I've seen a lot of people using those ring lights and they're very good if you're lighting up close, but they're not necessarily powerful enough to light you from a, more of a distance. So just be aware of that. And finally, if you are doing live streaming of any kind, you need a stable internet connection. Obviously, there's only so much you can do for that, but one thing you definitely can do is get an ethernet cable and plug it into your computer. If you have a Mac, get a dongle that'll allow you to plug the ethernet cable in. It'll give you a much more stable connection than Wi-Fi. So that is the quick and dirty overview of the tech you'll need. Like I said, we're putting out a tech guide that'll go a lot more in depth, but this is just a simple list for you to go through and check and see if you have everything you're going to need. Obviously, not everyone will need the same things. If you're not planning on live streaming, for example, you're definitely not going to have to worry about the internet connection. If you do, however, decide that you are interested in live streaming specifically, instead of just recording and putting out videos, let's talk a little bit about the platforms, because not everyone has experience with a lot of live streaming. You mean not everybody is addicted to social media like I am? Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute shocker. Um, obviously, your main platforms for live streaming are Instagram and Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and then out of COVID has arisen Sparrow Live, which is also within this realm, which is specific for classical music. But, you know, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch are our biggest and most notable options. Those three are free to use. Sparrow Live is not, which is important to know. So obviously, Instagram and Facebook, their live streams can literally be anything. They're gaming, they're crafting, they're recitals, they're music, they're, they, they aren't really categorized by anything. The problem with Instagram, though, is that they do have a time limit on your live stream. So you do need to be aware of that for that one. But I, Facebook doesn't, or if it, they do have one, it's longer than probably you will need. YouTube, obviously, a pretty good option. I like these because I think it's easier to see the chat when you go on there. Mm -hmm. You can also actually stream to multiple services at once. Takes a little know-how, but you definitely can. Twitch is obviously aimed towards gaming. However, I really like it as a streaming platform. However, if you don't really have a community on there, it might be hard to get people to join Twitch to watch the live stream. So, you know. You can watch without an account, but you can't comment on the stream. It, it depends on how you feel about it. I think it's great. You want to talk a little bit about Sparrow Live? Yeah, Sparrow Live is created by musicians for musicians. My only issue with Sparrow Live is that it is, to me, a little bit inaccessible in terms of actually hosting. So watching is super easy. Artists are able to set their own prices, but to actually host your own event can be a little expensive. We'll get into that in a little bit. So... Why don't we transition to talking about monetizing your live streams? Obviously, if you're going to be starting up these projects, if you're going to do a recital series or something like that, you know, you want to make money because you're putting time and effort in and you would probably get paid for these things if we weren't in COVID circumstances. So luckily, there are a lot of pretty much all of the platforms that we listed. There is some sort of way that you could monetize your lives, except for Instagram at this time. But, you know, you can use Instagram to promote any of these other platforms. So I've seen a lot of people use Facebook and Facebook actually, because of COVID, has kind of changed the way and introduced ways that you can monetize, which is really 
actually cool. Obviously, using live events to make money is the easiest way. And the way that you do that, just super quick breakdown, is you need to apply and be eligible to have paid online events. And then basically what you do is you can monetize your Facebook page or your event. And what's kind of cool is I think at least until 2021, Facebook's giving you like 100% of the money that you make. You know, granted, taxes are taken out, but that's insane. <laughs> That's a crazy deal. I have no idea how long this will last. You do need to reach a minimum balance of $100 before you can get paid out. And that payout process happens about like 30 days later. But when you sign up and you're eligible, which is actually a super easy process, I was checking it out for Opera Off Stage and it was just like, you're instantly eligible. Sign up. And I was like, oh, cool. So if you have like a professional Facebook page or you want to create a Facebook event, it's actually quite easy and then people just buy tickets through Facebook and obviously we've talked about in our social media episode promoting either using ads or just inviting friends and family to blast the heck out of your event. It can be a really cheap and totally free way to host something and then get paid which is awesome. So Twitch, Twitch is a little tricky because most of the ways people make money through Twitch are through subscriptions but you can only do subscriptions once you are a Twitch affiliate which unless you're already on there, you are probably not going to be. <laughs> Nor is Twitch affiliate super easy to achieve in a short amount of time. So you can still get money through what are called bits, which are uh, just a point system that translates to real world money. People pay to get them and then they give them to you as a streamer. The best option to monetize on Twitch, if that is what you choose to do, is to make a PayPal link and put it in your bio. Because that money goes straight to you. It doesn't have to go through Twitch because Twitch does take a cut of your money. They take half of the cost of a subscription and they do take a portion of the bits as well from the purchasing side. So if you buy bits, they take a portion of it. But the PayPal donations are a great way to kind of skirt around that problem and they allow all the money to come straight to you. It's a lot safer. People feel pretty comfortable with it. Yeah, and if you decide to do this and you're on Twitch, the really fun thing you can do is you can use a software like Streamlabs. And so when I play video games on Twitch, when people donate to me, it shows up with a little message that they wrote and uh, it pops up on the screen for people to see, which is very fun. Oh, cute. It's a great way to incentivize. And yeah, you can set up all types of reactions to donations. So that's one of the big benefits of using something like Twitch or YouTube is that you can use software like Streamlabs and OBS. All these broadcasting softwares are what I'm describing. <laughs> but uh, you can use them to really add a lot of personal flair to your live streams. Um, Spicy. Yeah, it can be a lot of fun. There's a lot of customization offered between Twitch and YouTube. And that I think is is the benefit of them over Facebook, whereas Facebook is nice because it's easier to monetize, most certainly. And also because you may have a lot more friends and family. It doesn't require people to go to a different website to see it, yeah. which has its own benefits. As far as YouTube goes, all I could find is that to monetize the live stream, you did need to be a YouTube partner, which once again, unless you've already been on there, Probably not. So once again, I would suggest using the PayPal link and then using something like Streamlabs or OBS to add a lot of personal flair to those. But they are fun because of how customizable they are and because of the flexibility you have with them, which is quite a bit more than you will have with Facebook or Instagram. YouTube also has the benefit of the fact that you could make the stream private if you were doing an event where you were selling tickets and then you could send out the URL for the private stream 
to the people who had already paid for tickets. So that's another option for monetizing there, though it's not as straightforward as, say, the Facebook option again. And then with Sparrow Live, a good way to think about that is they take care of a lot of the customer service elements for you. I mentioned earlier that they're kind of pricey, and here's why. Sparrow Live charges a 12.5 commission for performances with less than four performers and 15% for companies, ensembles, etc. with four or more performers, which at first doesn't seem like it's too bad, but their minimum commission per concert is $100. So to me, unless you're a maybe bigger company and, you know, are looking to have an easy hub to direct people to buy their tickets and, you know, they handle the... OBS software to actually live stream it so that you start your live stream on the right time. So if you're not a super techie person, you're like, I don't mind spending a little extra money so that I don't have to worry about any of that. Spare Live might be a good option. But if you're going to do like one off recitals every once in a while and are not planning on charging a lot for your tickets, it might not be the most accessible option. So as a quick uh, recap of our different options, Instagram Super fun for casual live posting, whatever. Can't monetize it. Facebook, probably the most accessible, probably the most easy to market, and definitely the most easy to sign up to get money, but perhaps not as fancy or as customizable as something like Twitch. Twitch to me is super community based, um, but you're probably not going to be able to make money right off the bat unless you're already an affiliate. YouTube is the same way. And then Sparrow Live great for classical musicians just comes with a bigger price tag i am going to take a second because i started talking about this and i realized i hadn't really talked about it but i mentioned obs and streamlabs and streamlabs also has its own obs and those are online broadcasting software that's what it stands for and those are the methods with which you can add a lot of stuff to your stream they are not that complicated i promise they it feels a little overwhelming when you first open them up they are also free which is Amazing. Great. Wonderful. But if you're going to plan on doing a lot of them, I suggest learning and using those because they, like I said, you can do so, so much with them. I prefer using OBS and then I use Streamlabs for things like alerts and other little details on the stream. But since they're free, I would 100% uh, suggest looking them up and exploring them and seeing what people do. People also make and sell templates and things for them, but they are very worthwhile and they can also help you regulate the audio and all of the different stuff and to describe all the options available to you through those two things would take all day but <laughs> could be a go check them episode. out they will very very much help you and i, I also want to go back and say for a second in, in credit to sparrow live what they are specifically doing is also lining up multiple musicians live streams so that they actually work together because there's a delay between you singing something and it actually showing up on another person's screen And depending on what your internet is like, that delay is different. Yes. And then the other nice thing is, obviously, if you're not a tech savvy person and don't know what the heck OBS is and are like kind of not excited to learn, they are there to help set you up. So I will say that the customer service element is definitely something to look into if you have the funds available. But obviously, we're talking about live streams. We're talking about audiences. Marketing plays a huge part part into this whole experience obviously if you're hoping to make money or even if you're just doing it for free you probably want an audience so don't be afraid to self-promo i know this is a huge thing for artists we're very nervous to tell people about our events it's kind of awkward because we're not really used to performing online anyways and so there's can sometimes be that element of like well i don't want to blast it because what if something goes wrong and then i'm not able to go live or what if you know it doesn't end up 
whatever, X, Y, and Z. Don't be afraid of self-promo. I can guarantee all of your friends and family will be glad and happy to know that you have something come up or coming up. So definitely blast that. I would also say, depending on the scope of your project and performance, start promoting a couple weeks before launch. You know, people have to see things a gazillion times before it finally registers in their brain that like, oh, I need to go buy tickets or, oh, this this is happening this weekend or, oh, yeah, I'm so glad that I saw this post two days before this event and that I knew about it two weeks ago so that I could mark it down in my calendar. It's not annoying. People need to see stuff often to actually hit that purchase button. So definitely start promoting. I would say while you're planning on doing a recital or a performance, that's when you should also be building your promo plan. And also don't be afraid to charge for your hard work and talent. If you're kind of on the fence of, oh, well, I don't know, like, should I charge? Should I not charge? It is a tough time for a lot of people. And, you know, money is difficult during this time. But if somebody has the money and wants to support you, don't not charge for all your work. If you are a person who's really uncomfortable setting a price on something, you can also do any donation. Yeah. So people could donate a dollar and and come to it. And that's a, a really good way because if you are probably going to have to crowdfund something or like that, or or if you just, you know, want to charge but don't feel comfortable putting a set price on something, that's a great way of just allowing people to, you know, pay whatever you can. Totally. But don't be afraid. Your hard work and talent is worth it, and people will pay for it if they want to. If you are a person who hates self-promo, which is how I very, very much feel, which is why I am not on the marketing side of, of this team. <laughs> That's why I let Michelle do it. That's why people like me exist. Because <laughs> you're good at it. But let me say this. I understand how you feel. Get over it. <laughs> so much uh, of life is marketing. So much of being an artist is marketing. And you're good. If you're planning on putting all this work into doing a live stream, it is worth it to market it. Don't worry if people are going to show up or not. Don't worry if you're going to annoy people. Have a good friend there who will tell you if you're you're annoying people. But you just got to do it. Yes. Because it also tells me that you think it's worth it. You think it's worth it for me to come to this thing. So, promo. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Let's actually, let's talk about a couple of the really interesting events we've seen since quarantine started um city lyric opera did a production of three penny and i think this was one of the first like online live operas that i saw where i really looked at it and i was like that's gorgeous i really felt like they took such full advantage of the format they were going to be using instead of just being kind of upset and like trying to still do it as traditionally as possible i think they you should go on their instagram and look up some of the shots from the show it was beautiful. And not only that, they have actual members of the audience in the video. It it was really, really cool. It was so cool. Like I said, I think they were the first people I saw who really took full advantage and embraced online performance in a way of doing something that you literally couldn't do without it. Yeah, they, it's so cinematic. I mean, their set designer and lighting designer like really just n hit this out of the park. It's stunning and it's really it it made me very excited to see what else we could create because I agree with you Jesse I hadn't seen anything like that I mean it was kind of its own set and yeah just super cool um you could go in the complete opposite direction and do something super quirky and cute Duodone <laughs> Productions did the little Animal Crossing style Hansel and Gretel opera so cute, so fun. I feel like that was one of the first productions that we saw 
out of quarantine. And I think they just, it's so fun. And I love that that exists. Like, how cool is that? We're totally taking advantage of the fact that Animal Crossing, the video game, was super popular and set it to opera. Super accessible, super cute. Singing was great. It's, I love stuff like this. Yeah, it's once again taking full advantage of the stuff that normally wouldn't make sense outside of it and really experimenting and having a good time. Oh, man. I love Animal Crossing. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And then San Diego Opera did La Boheme as like a drive-in movie style experience. I love this because they did it in like October, November. And obviously down in San Diego, that is beautiful weather. Like, oh, it's just the most genius idea. They had Grammy Award winning soprano Ana Maria Martinez as Be Me. Oh, one of my favorites. I love her voice so much. And the opera was basically transmitted to car stereos via like an FM radio. And these large screens showed simulcasts of the singers on stage with all of the subtitles. And I love that. Like, a safe way to do live performance. You know, it's so cool. I actually really love that. And that was kind of similar to what LA Opera used to do with the opera on the pier at Opera in the Park. Yeah. The big projections and stuff. And so I'm glad that people are translating that. I always love the drive-in movie thing. I think it's so cute. It's so cute. If it's, like, a 1950s date, I'm probably interested. (laughs) Right? That just sounds like a good time. Yeah. So... I I think those are all really good examples of some of the really creative ways people have been taking on performance in this time. But I I urge you all to, like, find some kind of outlet for performance right now. Because, number one, I think it's important to keep performing in order to stave off some of the insecurity that builds when you haven't gotten a chance to perform in a long time. It can be really rough to try and jump back into performing cold turkey. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So... I think it's really good. I think it's great for motivation because you have a goal and something that you're working towards. And I also think most importantly, it really helps you connect with people again. And I think music is just so fun in this time and we should embrace the fun of it and we should embrace entertaining the people who can't get out right now. Yeah. I I think the world wants more music and I think you should stop having such high expectations of yourself and you should just go do it. Definitely. As we still kind of are facing this uncertain future of when live performance will exist in the way that we've become comfortable, I think take the opportunity to realize that opera doesn't solely exist on a stage. It doesn't solely exist within a black box or with an orchestra. It can exist in Animal Crossing. It can exist in your car at a drive-in theater. It can exist as me scrolling through Instagram and seeing that a friend is going live and tuning into that. It can exist in your living room outside in a park. It's Our definition of opera is changing and evolving and expanding, and it's a really fun time. There are no wrong takes on what you can do during this time, so... Get creative, get excited, stay positive. It's a really fun time to be creating. So we hope that this episode helped you, you know, get an idea of what you can be doing. In the meantime, if you choose to start venturing back into live performance or, you know, COVID-friendly performances or streaming live services. So our tech guide, which goes way more in depth into all of this, will be available this week so check out our website at opera-offstage you know if you're interested in learning how to best promote your events check out our social media guide we have lots of different goodies to help you out with this subject so take advantage of all of our ebooks and 
If you guys are listening in the Apple Podcast app, leave us a review. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.